So Matthew 11 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Mm-hmm. And as we read those verses, um, we were actually in the hospital. I was receiving an iron infusion. My spirit just cried out, that's what I want. That's the relief I want. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe the physical isn't going to go away. Maybe all of this stuff is just going to stick with me forever. But if I could just carry this yoke with the Savior, then I know that I could get through this. I could get through anything. Welcome to Stories of Hope in Hard Times, the show that explores how people endure and even thrive in difficult times, all with God's help. I'm your host, Tamara K. Anderson. Join me on a journey to find inspiring stories of hope and wisdom learned in life's hardest moments. My guest today was paralyzed when she was hit by a car when she was 15 months old. At six years old, she began studying the violin. She graduated with a performance degree from Weber State University and currently plays with the orchestra at Temple Square, where she regularly performs on music and the spoken word with the Tabernacle Choir. She enjoys fashion, Legos, her dog Chewy, hand cycling, traveling, and spending lots of time with her husband, Isaac. I am pleased to present Becca Geckeritz. Becca, are you ready to share your story of hope? Yes, absolutely. So Becca, just to break the ice a little bit, you won a contest at a point in your life, and I'd love for you to tell me about that and what it was like. Um, So I had the opportunity to uh, go to New York and have the makeup artist Bobby Brown do my makeup for me. And the way that it happened was my husband and I were first married and I really wanted to go to New York. I had this New York bug in my heart. You know, once you go once, you kind of have to go every so often. And it was that so often time and we didn't have any money. We were just newlyweds. And one day I get an email from Bobby Brown and The email says, win a trip to New York. And I thought it was one of those like sweepstakes entries, but, and I was gonna, you know, trash the email, but I decided to click on it and see what it, what it was. And we had to create a makeup video of how we use her products. And my husband, he is a videographer. He produces documentary films. And I thought, oh my gosh, we just won this contest. And so I talked him into filming me do my makeup and we sent in the video and I made it to the second round, had a whole bunch of makeup sent to me and we had to make another video using that makeup. And then it went, um, we had kind of a little, I guess, viral campaign where people voted for the videos they liked and mine ended up being number one. So I was very So we spent several days in New York at Bobby's expense. And I got a boatload of makeup from her then as well, all the personalized things that she recommended for me. And so I'm wearing the blush that she recommended. (laughs) (laughs) That is so fun. What a neat experience. I love that so much. (laughs) It was a lot of fun and we got to New York, so. (laughs) 
Yes, indeed. So tell me, your life hasn't been all winning contests and stuff like that. It has also had some difficult challenges that you've had to navigate. Why don't you kind of kick it off for me and talk me through, uh, obviously you were paralyzed from, is it waist down? Yeah, about uh, T8. So for any scientists out there or any people who know about the body, uh, T8 is where I am officially paralyzed from, which is uh, just right about where your belly button is. Mm. Yeah, paralyzed from the waist down. And that wasn't the only challenge. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I um, so in two thousand nine, um, I, my husband and I were applying for life insurance, and we um, had the the nurse come over to do our exam for us. And when they took my blood pressure, it was elevated hmm. and that had never been the case for me i'd always had a really normal super normal healthy blood pressure i hadn't gained any weight there wasn't anything that indicated any other issues and so it was kind of surprising that this was this had come back this way um when we got the results back from my blood work, they said that there was something, it was something to do with my kidneys. And so I reached out to my urologist because I just thought my urologist has treated all of my like UTIs. And if I ever had like a kidney infection, he treated those too. So I thought that that's what urologists did. Mm -hmm. um, so he treated me for a couple of years, but never with like blood pressure medication or anything like that. Um, and we just kind of watched my symptoms. And then one day my, I had noticed my blood pressure as I was taking it regularly on my own. And I noticed that my blood pressure was just getting higher and higher. So I scheduled an appointment with my urologist and he, we sat down and when I sat down at that appointment, my blood pressure was like 180 and I can't remember what the lower number was, but it was pretty high. And, um, he just looked at me and said, what? what do you think that I can do for you? And I, I was so shocked. I said, help me with my kidneys. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I do. I, and I said, what? He's like, I'm kind of like the plumbing. I do all the plumbing. So yeah, your kidneys are a part of that, but I'm not really the doctor for that. And I mm. was actually kind of angry at that point because I had just spent two years with him mm -hmm. thinking, why would you not tell me this two years ago? Mm -hmm. Anyway, so um, he told me I needed to go see a nephrologist. And um, I'm not sure if it was the stress of that appointment or what, but the rest of that day, my blood pressure just elevated, elevated, elevated. And by four o'clock that afternoon, my blood pressure was 220 over 180. Jeez. And so we went to the hospital. I think it capped out in the 230s, but uh, they took me and they put me right up into a room. I was gonna spend some time there until they figured out what was going on. Um, I was there for about three days. Uh, they right away lowered my blood pressure with medication and um, from that point on, I was on medication for my blood pressure until about my transplant. Uh, we found out it was kidney disease. 
and that my kidneys were failing. Oh, so, my word. Yeah, so I started this journey of kidney failure, and, um, and that was in 2011. So, yeah. Wow. So tell me a little bit about how this affected you, like mentally and emotionally. Where were you at that point in your life? I was in a really rough place. Um, I had had a feeling um, right after my husband and I were married in 2009, I had had this feeling in my heart that I needed to prepare for something really hard. And I chose to ignore that feeling mm. and determined that I should be happy because I was a newlywed and um, just thought, you know, I'm not going to let anything green on my parade. So I didn't, I, I did not um, heed that, that prompting, that feeling, um, which I believe was the Holy Spirit telling me, you know, hey, God has something really hard for you to do and you need to listen. Um, and I chose not to. So when you know, I've been going through this high blood pressure episode for two years, no indication as to real, a real diagnosis as to what was going on. Have this really dramatic thing happen where we finally figured it out. And um, I was just kind of left in this place of like, what is going on? So mentally, I, I kind of took a, I actually took a really big nosedive and I went into some pretty tough depression at that time. And the reason why it was not just the, you know, you have, I had organs dying inside of me. So mm -hmm. everybody has experienced that type of depression where, because it's health related, uh, it's, you know, or, or someone out there is struggling, you know, with their mental health and they're struggling with help, you know, it's due to the fact that you have these issues going on and your body is just trying to put all of its energy into what's wrong and not really feeding the rest of you and like mm. mentally anyway so i went into this really difficult dark place and uh just struggled for for many years actually um i saw the things that i wanted for myself a family children um I'm a violinist, so just education and opportunities, performance opportunities, all of that took a backseat to this disease. And it was really hard. It was a really, really, really hard time for me. Mm. So it, it almost sounds like the one of the hardest things to manage was just the mental shift as far as, here's what I expect my life is going to look like. Mm -hmm. And now those things aren't going to happen. So it's almost like a grieving of those expectations. Absolutely. Yeah, there was a lot of grieving. I mean, the number one thing I wanted for my life was to be a mother. And with kidney failure, my doctors recommended that we not have children mm. uh, because uh, the health of the baby would be at risk. And even if the baby made it through pregnancy, um, and we both made it through pregnancy, fine. Uh, that baby could have health challenges of their own. Mm. I mean, the kidneys do so much for us. And, and there did come a point where, you know, part of what your kidneys do is they regulate progesterone. 
So there did come up, there was a point where it was an absolute no. Mm. At first it was suggested and then it was highly recommended and then it was no, you cannot get pregnant Mm. at this time uh, just because of how my hormones were not being able to be regulated. Oh, wow. So that was super hard, I can only imagine. What what were you thinking and feeling when, when that happened? I was feeling a lot of despair. I remember just crying myself to sleep um, often every night um, just because it felt that every dream that I had ever had was being taken from me. Mm. And I questioned why this was happening to me. <laughs> I thought, isn't the wheelchair enough? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the struggles that I had with you know, my wheelchair and everything, isn't it, isn't it enough? And at what point does this turn around? You know, everybody talks about, you know, I had this really hard thing happen in my life and then, you know, something shifted and everything was all better. The disease went away and all the, you know, I, I got exactly what I wanted and it didn't seem like that was even a possibility for me at that time. It felt, mm. Everything felt so far away. Yeah. It's almost like you're asking, where's, where's my miracle? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And I thought, you know, I've had miracles in the past. I've experienced many miracles and, um, just wondered when, when would the relief come, you know, and, and it even got to the point where it's like, I don't even care if the physical relief doesn't come, give me some mental relief at least, you know, and Mm. these are, these are the prayers that I'm having just, begging, begging for mental relief, begging for any kind of lightening of the load. Um, and just every time I would go see my doctors, it was like more tough, hard news. Oh, my goodness. So tell me what finally happened to help you? What, what epiphany did you have that finally helped you shift something? Well, I had just little experiences along the way that really helped me, but a lot of the experiences that I went through were, I look back now and they helped me, but in the moment they felt mysterious. They felt, Mm. so I'd have these spiritual inklings come into my heart. Um, For example, my, I was reading with my husband in the New Testament and we were reading in Matthew 11. So Matthew 11 Verses 28 through 30, it says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lonely in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm -hmm. And as we read those verses, um, we were actually in the hospital, I was receiving an iron infusion, and my iron was really, really low, and... um, we were reading those verses and I just, my spirit just cried out. That's what I want. That's the relief I want. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe the physical isn't going to go away. Maybe all of this stuff is just going to stick with me forever. But if I could just have, if I could just carry this yoke with the savior, then I know that I could get through this. I could get through anything. And so that became my quest was to learn how to take upon myself his yoke. 
because I wanted this to be easier. I wanted this to be lighter. Yes. So, um, so that became a quest for me. And in 2015, no, 2016, I was now on the transplant list for a kidney. And my mom was um, actually, she was the first one they wanted to look at. She had the same blood type as me. And um, being that she was my mom, it would be like the best match, even over like a perfect match, she would be my best match. Mm. So she was going through the process of, to see if she could, if she could be my donor. And I was going through the process of whether or not they would do the transplant. And uh, I was, had received some blood work back. That was pretty, pretty dismal, of course. I was on the transplant list, so it's always gonna be dismal at that point. And um, I, get the, I get the numbers back and I'm just completely upset and I'm crying and I'm throwing this big tantrum praying, trying to calm myself, trying to ask Heavenly Father to calm me. And um, as I'm in that this moment, I, I realize that I have, I have a lot of bitterness in my heart. And I pray to God for relief for this bitterness, because I just, that's not who I am. That's not who I've ever been. I've always been really joyful, really happy naturally. And um, I just, I wanted this and I was begging, how do I, how does this get better? How does this get lighter? And uh, within moments, the Holy Spirit taught me what is to me the biggest key in how to take upon the Savior's yoke. And that is hope. Um, I had been placing all of my hope in my doctors. I had been mm. placing all of my hope in my outcomes. And these were failing me all around me. I had, my outcomes were never what I wanted them to be. This disease was not going away. It was getting worse. And, um, you know, my doctors, they're doing the best they could, but there's no guarantees. You know, we're human. All of us are human. And so the, the Holy Spirit taught me that I was putting all of these hope in the wrong place. All mm. of my hope was in the wrong place. And I was taught that the hope, hope is only found in the Savior, Jesus Christ. And as I thought about that, and as I pondered that, I realized, absolutely, that's where hope belongs. Hope doesn't belong anywhere else because everything else will let you down everything else will fail you if i put hope in my dreams my dreams could go away tomorrow and they had if i put my hope in miracles then they may or may not come but if i put my hope in jesus christ then no matter what happens i'm gonna be okay this could get worse but He's with me through it all. He's already suffered on the cross for me. And so I know I, by placing my hope in him, it suddenly made my burden lighter. Mm. And, um, and it has, it has made my burden lighter from that point on, from that February day in 2016 uh, to this very moment right now, 
my my days and my hope is brighter because it is centered on Jesus Christ. Wow. You know, that's such a powerful concept. I think often when we when we look at those verses, because those have been key components for me as well, that we think, okay, what is it that I need to take on? Do I need to do more scripture study? And sure, you can you can add that to your day. You can add prayer to your day. But I think you're right. It is it is where is our focus? Where is the focus of our faith? Where is the focus of our hope? Is it centered on Christ or is it centered, like you said, on outcomes? Well, if if God gives me this, then I'll be happy. Do you know what I mean? Or something like that. When 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 true faith and true hope is centered on God, no matter the outcome, you know, and that that's hard because you have to submit to his will, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's like but once you do it's not hard once you say that i mean give me the worst case scenario with christ okay i can't think of one <laughs> I mean, even if i weren't to survive the kidney failure if my mom wasn't a match and i were to pass away that would not be the worst outcome I would be back in the loving arms of my Savior, Jesus Christ. There is no outcome with Christ that is devastating. I mean, sure, then the burden would fall to my husband, right? And there would be mm-hmm. grief. And so I'm not discounting the pain that we feel. I'm not discounting any hard thing. I'm just saying that with Christ, when you put your hope completely in him, everything becomes better mm. and you can still you'll you'll still have the heart with you the heart mm-hmm. will remain with you but he's he's carrying that with you now you've invited that you've invited him to carry that with you wow so do you feel that since you had that shift and you started focusing your faith and hope in Jesus Christ did it did it help with the depression did it help with what tell me specifically how it helped you i guess emotionally because obviously your physical challenges didn't improve but yes Yes. so for me it did help my depression and i just i want to just say though that um and and i had thought about going on medication and you know but all of the indicators and as I was talking to my doctors that you know it was all pointing to an upward trend for me Mm. um I would never though discount anybody seeking out like make sure that when you're dealing with depression keep your doctors in the loop you know Mm. sure that you're hitting mental and emotional benchmarks um, and be open to receiving all the help because it's a real illness you know Mm -hmm. but for me yes my overall emotional state improved and um following the transplant it wasn't all rainbows and sunshine after that (laughs) there were a lot i had a lot of illnesses occur because of my now immune compromised state 
And the kidney has always been fantastic. I've never experienced any rejection, thankfully, or any of that with the kidney. The kidney's been perfect. Um, but the immune compromise side has not been easy at all. And, um, and yet through that, uh, because I had decided that there wasn't an outcome that would be devastating with Christ, that with Christ, everything would work out. Um, I never experienced any fear. I just had complete faith that our Heavenly Father, that God was in the details, that Jesus Christ was, you know, yoked with my yoked with me on this burden. And that, you know, as long as we just stay focused on those things, then everything would would work out the way that it, it needed to. Mm. That is so powerful. I really, really love that. That even though things didn't weren't perfect after the kidney transplant, that you were able to keep the focus where it needed to be. So let me ask you this, Becca, what what are some of the things that you do to make sure that your your faith and your hope stays focused on the Savior? Because we live in a world that is full of distractions and think things that try to pull our focus away from him. What, what are some of the things you found that have helped you remain, have your focus riveted on the Savior throughout not only your trials, but just daily life? We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll have more lessons, tips, and things you can apply to your life. Stay tuned. How many of you out there feel like your life is chaotic, crazy, and completely awful compared to the norm? What if I were to tell you, you are normal for you? I'm so excited to tell you about my book, Normal For Me, learning to love and accept life's detours with God's help. This book took me 10 years to write, and I share 20 years worth of lessons learned in my life detours, including being in a car accident and having two of my children diagnosed on the autism spectrum. In this book, I share the secrets of how I made it from despair to peace with God's help. I talk about being a zombie mom, living in survival mode, learning true faith, and how I debunked the myth that God doesn't give you more than you can handle. Normal For Me also includes a bonus diagnosis survival guide at the very end of the book, in which I share 12 tips to survive and thrive in tough times. So, what are you waiting for? Grab your copy of Normal For Me today on Amazon or on my website, TamaraKAnderson.com. What, what are some of the things you found that have helped you have your focus riveted on the Savior throughout not only your trials, but just daily life? Uh, thank you. I, that's a really great question. And when, for my daily life, I, I rely on prayer. I rely on the Word of God. And I rely on uplifting music. As a musician, I understand the power of music and I feel so grateful that I perform with the Tabernacle Choir. 
I get to hear their music live weekly um, as I perform with them and add my own sound to their voices, uh, my own testimony to what they're singing of. And um, so music for me has been a really big part of my journey um, and my continued journey. Whenever I'm feeling, I have kind of go-tos, that go-to songs that really um, help me to focus myself um, on the Savior when I'm struggling. And what are those? I love, they're, they're all Mac Wilberg arrangements. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Share them with us. And you know what? I'll link them. I'll be sure to link them in the podcast show notes because sometimes if people are really struggling and you found something that really helps pull you out of a, I'm having a really hard day or week or month or year. If if you share this, maybe it will help somebody else. So share share those uh, arrangements that are particularly meaningful to you. Um, the first one is "Be Still, My Soul." That one, um, as the verses uh, continue on, you know, from "Be Still, My Soul," the Lord is on thy side. I mean, that is like the statement for me, mm -hmm. right? That's my mantra. And then um, as it plays through its scenario, there really isn't a situation that the Lord can't cover, that our, that Jesus Christ cannot cover. So I love Be Still My Soul. Um, one that makes me just cry thinking about it is Yezu, the very thought of thee. And that there's a verse and leading right up to the verse where the choir is a cappella. Uh, there's a question that is asked and um, the question is asked, but what art thou to them that find? So who is the savior to those who find him? Mm. And then the following, um, oh, I think that's actually at the end of the a cappella. That's the question that is left. Mm -hmm. And then from there was the choir comes back in with the, the orchestra, this author, he tries to describe what it is like when you find the savior. And I just, um, I get so weepy every time I listen to that, I can't help but not cry at that point. <laughs> me every single time because um, of the personal experiences that I've had. And also while I was in the depth of the struggle, wanting to know the savior at that level. And mm -hmm. I have a continued desire to know him even more at that level. Like I want, I want to know him. So I just want a really strong relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. so I love that song. And then uh, the third song, is um how can i keep from singing and um the the part um when they sing when to this rock i'm leaning for love is lord of the mountain how can i keep from singing so we actually sang that song about two or three weeks before my transplant oh. and i was just a weeping mess because <laughs> i heard those words and i just was like that is what I have to do. I have to just cling to his rock. I have to cling to the rock, which is Savior Jesus Christ. And I love that imagery of just, you know, both hands on him and just say, we're going for this, we're doing it. And come what may, 
we're, we're, we're going to go for it. So yeah. together. I love the image that you've kind of painted throughout this podcast of that clinging to the savior. Um, and, and I think what I love the most about that is that you realized you're truly not alone, that in those deep, dark pits, he's there with you. And that if you are just literally clinging to him with your whole heart and soul, then you're not as lonely or as sad down in those pits. You know what I mean? That he makes it bearable because he brings his light, his comfort, his peace to you in that place, right? Absolutely. He really does. And I am just so, I know that even in the loneliest times before I came to this realization, I know that he was with me. I know because he is grace. He never, he never leaves us. It was just in that moment in February of 2016 that I had finally been able to tune my heart so that I could hear, I could feel, I could see the Savior. I could accept his grace into my life. You know, there's, his grace is all around us, but when we can declare and accept that grace in us, that's a, that's a whole other experience, right? Mm once we accept that into our hearts he makes the difference it's no longer about what i can or cannot do any longer you know we still don't have kids we don't that dream has not been realized at this time but my heart is so joyful because i know that i have a savior life doesn't work out the way that we want it to when hard things happen and sometimes it does. I have experienced miracles as well from my transplant on. And, but, but none of that compares to the miracle of having Christ's grace planted firmly in my heart. Hmm. I love the image of tuning your heart to be able to feel him and his grace. And I can't help but think of, since you're a violinist, you tuning your instrument. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'm just kind of seeing a parallel there that every day it requires just a little bit of fine tuning because, I mean, well, you probably could describe it better than I do. Tell me about your violin. Does it stay in tune day to day all by itself? <laughs> you know, when you think about that image, the imagery of tuning, tuning, tuning an instrument, so for in my case, I've got a violin. Recently, I just actually changed strings on my violin. And that is my least favorite activity because I cannot, it's like consistent and constant fine tuning. I mean, not only do I have to get the violin to be in tune, but I also have to pay attention to how the pegs um, are lined up. Because if I'm going to be an orchestra and I have to tune very quickly, I can't have my pegs in a position that I can't get it higher because my my physical body can't do it. And so so there's not just the fine tuning of um, getting the strings to be in tune. There's the fine tuning of the instrument and getting the instrument to be to be just right. And I do I feel like the Savior does that for us. 
you know, he, our Heavenly Father and our Savior, Jesus Christ, they are all about the fine tuning, mm. fine tuning our hearts to be closer knit with theirs. Yeah. So when I, when I tune an instrument, it is daily. And even when my strings are nicely worn and they're, they, they're in that perfect place, I still tune my instrument every day, sometimes multiple times a day, depending on the stresses that I'm putting on the instrument, mm. and the pieces that I'm playing. So it's, it's a consistent effort to just keep that, that tune right there, to be right in tune. <laughs> That's the same with our spirituality. Yeah, no, I love that. It's so, it's such a beautiful example, right? <laughs> and I think it's so pertinent that it, that tuning our heart and our desire to Christ is an ongoing process, not just once a day, but many times a day. And I loved how you said, depending upon the stress I put on the instrument, you know, and we're all going to have times when we have to change out a string. You know, it's just worn and it's going to have to happen, which is going to require more fine tuning. It's like these trials come into your lives and you're like, ah, it's going to require more fine tuning. But I think I think the key there is inviting him into the process, right? Inviting him. OK, Lord, I'm in a difficult situation again. Again, it happens all the time, right? <laughs> and will you help me tune to this new situation and stay in tune with you, you know, yeah. and asking those questions. I'm feeling bitter. I'm feeling bitter. Help me to tune this out of my life and to tune the joy back in. What do I need to do? Because it's going to look different for each of us. So I think that constant conversation that you've talked about having with the Lord is one of the keys, yes. you know, being honest with him about your situation. God knows all. We we don't we we can't hide from from our all-knowing heavenly father. And he doesn't know all to be invasive or to be, you know, it's not a, a condemnation that he knows all about us. It's his perfect love. It's the love that he has for us that when we come to him and we express you know, the feelings of our heart in an honest way, it's like knowing is half the battle, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, what am I feeling? Oh, oh my goodness. I'm finally seeing that I am feeling this incredible bitterness. I don't want this in me. I don't want that. That's not who I am. That's not a part of me. Or, you know, I don't, I'm feeling an incredible amount of fear. And I know that fear and faith don't exist in one body. And yet, Help me to weed out the fear and replace it with faith. How do I cross mm. that bridge? How do I get to that that place where I don't are not fearful? You know, some people they can they can they can just call on that faith and and my mom she just like she can put a big shield up to fear and and just completely not allow it in. But I found myself in that whole journey of feeling incredible fear, incredible fear for the moment, incredible fear for my future, and sometimes feeling shame for that, you know, that mm. I wasn't strong enough or, and then realizing, wait, this, you know, I can pray, I can reach out and I can ask, how do I, 
how do I move from this place? I don't mm. want to stay here. How do I move from this place? Teach me how. And, you know, those, those answers came and those, those realizations came. And ultimately, it's, it's really because of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh. I love that he gave you specific answers to you. Do you know what I mean? Because I think that's the great thing about prayer is that we can turn to him and he will give us the perfect answer for us, the perfect next baby step. Sometimes it's a big step that he's telling you, you need to do this. And you're like, oh, <laughs> well, then help me be strong enough to do that because that's hard for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> it might come easy to somebody else like my mom, but it's hard for me. <laughs> And it's okay. It's okay. You know, he loves us so much and he does want us to be, he wants, he wants to give us his grace. He wants us to accept that into our lives. Mm. It makes it because he knows it makes all the difference. Oh, Becca, this has been so amazing and so eye-opening to hear your story, to hear your insights, to hear the little tiny details that helped you learn to tune your heart to his, you know, and to allow him in to help you, to heal you, to help bear the burdens that were placed on your shoulders. It's just been incredible to hear you share such a witness of the power of Jesus Christ. So thank you for sharing that today. I know that people are gonna to wanna to connect with you here at the end of the podcast. Would you mind sharing me with me where they can find you and connect with you? Yes, so I am on Facebook. So my Facebook is just Becca uh, Beerwolf. Beerwolf is my maiden name. B-I-E-R-W-O-L-F as in family, uh, Geckeritz, G-O-E-C-K-E-R-I-T-Z. So Becca Beerwolf Geckeritz on Facebook. And I also have a YouTube channel. If you just search my name in YouTube, I have some music there that I've posted. Um, mainly right now, Christmas music. I have Christmas music and then um, one other secular piece, but that's kind of growing. And But please feel free to reach out to me through messaging. I, I do that on Facebook and I, I'll, I'll be happy to respond. So. Oh, well, thank you so much, Becca. And I'll be sure to link those in the show notes of today's podcast as well so that you can find Becca more easily. <laughs> but thanks again for sharing your story of hope and for sharing your faith and the critical points in your journey, which led you to a stronger relationship with Jesus Christ. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of powerful stories of hope. I know there are many of you out there who are going through a hard time, and I hope you found useful things that you can apply to your own life in today's podcast. If you would like to access the show notes of today's show, please visit my website, storiesofhopepodcast.com. There you will find a summary of today's show, the transcript, and one of my favorite takeaways. You know, if someone kept coming to mind during today's episode, perhaps that means that you should share this episode with them. Maybe there was a story shared or a quote or a scripture verse that they really, really need to hear. So go ahead and share this podcast. 
May God bless you, especially if you are struggling, with hope to carry on and with the strength to keep going when things get tough. Remember to walk with Christ and he will help you bear the burden. And above all else, remember, God loves you.